Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a brand new edition of Flyers Daily and certainly some not only big things to talk about, but very important things to talk about. First of all, happy Mother's Day to all the hockey moms out there. And joining us for this Monday episode, as he always does, and congratulations on a great Mother's Day for his wife, Lee, and all involved. It is from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Bill Meltzer, did you uh, treat your wife like you treat her every day? It's always Mother's Day at Bill Meltzer's house. Uh, if only, <laughs> if yeah. only. Now it, it was a, uh, it, was, it was kind of a, a low key Mother's Day this year. Okay, well, Bill, it wasn't low key on Friday, and obviously we now have some really substantial answers when it comes to uh, the leadership group of this Flyers team for the next uh, foreseeable future, with Danny Briere uh, losing the interim tag, and Keith Jones being named the president of hockey operations. First and foremost. I didn't see Keith Jones coming. That one caught me uh, kind of blindsided, if you will. Yeah, it was it was only in the final two three days that that uh, Jonesy's name popped up, and um, you know, and, and he popped up. He was already on the short list by that point. You know, all all these names we talked about all along, um, and and Jonesy was never one of those names. Um, I mean, the apparently the the search at the beginning was extremely extremely wide um and uh you know i the the more more i thought about it given given the position description where the flyers envision it jonesy made sense and you know from for for that i mean in terms of the traditional hockey president president of the team rather you know or president of hockey operations um it's kind of an untraditional hire, but, but on the flip side, you know, there, there have been people like John Davidson who were broadcasters for a long, long, long time. And then they, they moved into management guys like Bill Zito who are agents. And then all of a sudden they're, they're in management. So it's, uh, you know, it, it can, it has happened and some have done successfully. Some have not done successfully, but um, you know, but certainly, certainly you can question two things. Uh, Jonesy's hockey knowledge, because he's a bright guy and, and knows the game inside out and his connections and the, the other part of it being you know he, he certainly has the uh knowledge of the local the local market that's going to be it's going to be important because the the rebuild is not going to be overnight so part of part of it is communicating all along this is where we are this is what our next steps may be and and, and talk talk you know we, we've talked about transparency and direction obviously you're not going to be transparent in specific moves and I think that that's necessary right now. This is this is where we are, and this is where we are, and this is where we, you know, where we hope to get. And I think if you're you're open and honest, that's where you get a little bit more patience too. Yeah, I mean, I think that a fan base is entitled to, you know, some transparency, but you just got to be careful what you think that looks like, right? Because it doesn't look like, hey, we think this player on our team's not very good. And we got to get rid of them. Like, that's not the kind of, you're never going to devalue your own property. It's just not the way any GM in any sport would work. But I think it's an interesting point you made prior to that, Bill, is that he knows the market. Now, he just didn't do TV here for, you know, 23 years since he retired. He also did morning radio and sports talk radio and sat next to a guy that um, sometimes, you know, uh, it was a little, a little much in what his expectations were in Angelo. Uh, but he heard from callers and you know knows how the temperature works and how it rises and falls in this town very quickly. 
And those 21 years in radio and talk radio, I think will be paramount for him as well. Oh, for, for sure. Um, I, I, I think that there's a, it takes a little bit of foresight and perception to know, you know, Hey, the, we're, we make a certain move and you know, the initial reception might not be great. Um, Owen Tippett. <laughs> well, Owen Tippett is a great example, right? Yep. One of the, actually, you know, you could, you could go back to when, when Jonesy himself came here and Sean Podine was a major fan favorite. Yeah. And uh, Jonesy had, you know, had bad knees and, you know, and, and, and so the initial, you know, there was some initial, well, well, you know, why are we making this, this particular trade? Um, but, uh, you know, and I, I think the ultimate one, the ultimate one stands on my mind, not the Flyers have anything like this immediately in the offing, but it was the, uh, the Mark Recchi to Montreal trade for Leclerc, Desjardins, and Dion. And they got killed on that. Uh, you know, the, the day that it happened, I, I tuned in, I listened to the sports radio as a fan back then, and they were just killed on it. And they got shut out that night, too. That didn't help. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I, I think it's, I think it's somewhat anticipating and, and also saying, you know, saying the right things, but also, also having a plan, articulating what your plan is. Again, in, in broader terms, you're, you're never going to devalue your players or put yourself in a position of weakness. Yeah. And you never put yourself, you know, saying we're going to do this and just devalue your position or hand in any kind of negotiation with another team or player or agent or anything like that. And sometimes those, you know, those breezes of a move, sway back and forth. You look at Radko Gudis for Matt Niskanen, then it was great. And then all of a sudden Radko Gudis gets an assist on uh Cousins overtime winner. And it's yeah. how do we trade Radko Gudis? So, but anyway, um, you know, Keith Jones, you know, one of the things you hear from a lot of people, and, and it's something I've talked to quite a few people about since he was named, is you know, Jonesy's a funny guy. He walks into a room, he controls that room immediately. He's just kind of that natural leader that owns a room when he walks into it. Um, but th- the one thing that I've been telling people having known Jonesy is, you know, don't mistake that, you know, his laid back attitude and, you know, being the funny guy uh, for a lack of intelligence because he knows the game at an extremely high level. And I know he converts conversed with a lot of guys around the league that he played with, whether that's Sackick or Drury or other GMs around the league. And they were, they were constantly picking his brain for the information that he had because he saw, you know, this league transform into what it is now a young man's game. Oh, for sure. And, and, um, and I think also there's a, his own tastes tend to be, they tend to lean old school, mm-hmm. right? That's probably why he and tours get along so well, but, but it doesn't mean Jonesy's not up on what's going on around the league. Um, you know, the importance of team speed. I mean, Jones, Jones would be the first to tell you that, you know, Jones skating was never his strong suit. Right. And, 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 um, guys who can't skate have a very hard time in today's game. Um, so, you know, he's aware of all that and he's, he, and he's aware of the importance of having defensemen that can move the puck too. Um, you know, all, all these things, it's, you know, he, he knows how the game has changed since 1990s hockey. He knows what different teams are doing and, and it may or may not be his preferred method, but, but it's not that he's not, uh, cognizant of, you know, what goes on around the game. That, 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 that's always been one of his strong suits. Um, you know, something that I always enjoyed and I, I, know, I know you have, you know, you did as well as. Sitting in the commissary an hour and an hour and a half before warmups and, and just shooting the breeze with Jonesy because he knows the game so well. Yeah. And he has a great way of communicating it too, which will be advantageous as well. You know, it's funny because, you know, as a broadcaster, you know, before games, we get to meet with 
the coaches, you know, a coach, like for us, we meet with torts and we get some information in those meetings that can be used on the air. Uh, some of it's just for context and to give us some perspective. And some of it's clearly not for radio or for the air. And Jonesy does that for national games with both teams. And you tend to get a real honest view of certain players in those meetings. That's, that's institutional knowledge that he has now that no other GM will have in the NHL. He knows what a lot of the coaches already or organizations feel about a lot of their very key players because of those meetings. For sure. And, and um, you know, it was always, Hey, you know, he was a good to bounce things off of, but B, B, they knew, they knew that what was privileged stayed privileged. Um, and, and you can't, you can't do that with a, a scout from another team. Even if, even if they were a teammate of yours for 10 years, you know, because they have a job to do too. And if you provide intelligence, they can use, even if they don't tell, you know, even even though they don't throw the guy under the bus to their colleagues, they're going to use that information. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we're talking about essentially a pretty up-to-date information too. So it, it is, it, it is a nice bit of institutional knowledge walking in, you know, walking into a very, very important position here. So. Yeah, I, Bill, let's talk about, before we get to Danny Breer, I just want to talk about the press conference that took place at Wells Fargo Center on Friday. And it had all the kind of pomp and circumstance, bigness of, of you know, the flyers of many years. It just had that over-the-top feel, and it was big. It was presented big, and nothing about it was, I mean, you had the, the state champion hockey teams there from the high schools. I mean, they really went big on this thing. And, and Dan Helferty mentioned it several times that, you know, his, his unique ability is to bring groups of people together to do their jobs. And I thought that that part of it and Dan in particular came off really impressive to me. I really liked the message that he brought. He knows he's not the hockey guy, but his skill set is bringing those, the right people together and letting them do their job. Uh, I, I thought I thought Dan's part of the presentation, Helferty, uh, was outstanding. I really thought it was outstanding. Um, you know, and, and um, not not to compare apples and oranges, but you know, he, he just 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 the way he presented it, just just the messages, because you know he, he clearly clearly they laid out what the talking points were going to be ahead of time, yeah. and, and keeping it on message with. You know, collaboration, teamwork, all, all the all the major themes, and 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 Hilferty just hit them right off the bat, and everybody who went after him reiterated those themes. I mean, big part, big part of messaging, of course, consistency. Is, <laughs> it's consistency. Yeah, you you don't want somebody you don't want somebody straying from what everybody else is saying, and, and then you feel a disconnect on there. I, I thought that everybody stayed really strongly connected, and on the on the hockey side of it. Um, you, you have the, that sense, which really shouldn't be a surprise, uh, of how instantly comfortable Danny Briere and, and uh, Jonesy are around in one another. Even though they were never teammates on the ice, the person, you know, when, when Dan Huffrey said a lot, a big part of it went into was the mix of personalities. And that, that clicked because that, that, that is a good mix of personalities, especially with Torts as the third part of it. Yeah. You know, it's funny because all three – John Tortorella, Danny Breer, and Keith Jones all had that. They all have that same competitive nature to them. 
but it yeah. manifests itself differently in all three of them and the way they present themselves. I think that's an interesting dichotomy. Let's get to Danny Briere. The interim tag was removed. None of us were stunned by that part of it. Um, but he is now the GM of the Philadelphia Flyers. And I thought he commanded the room well. I thought he was very transparent and open. Um, and, and the one thing that he really said that stuck out to me, Bill, is, you know, a lot of people want to put a timeline on this. And I understand that. But the one thing he said is, you know, I can't put a timeline on that right now. There's, there's a lot of work to do, but ultimately the players will decide when a rebuild is over. I thought that was pretty poignant. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You you can say three years, you can say four years, you can say, say whatever, you know, well, that, that's all well and good. But, uh, you know, uh, any number of factors come into play. It, it, it is largely your players that determine that. It's also, it's also a little bit of element of luck, too. Let's, let's not, you know. Let's not pretend otherwise. You know, you have a, a couple of key injuries. All of a sudden, all of a sudden uh, guy loses a year, and it sets you know it can set a whole team's timetable back if it's, if it's a key enough injury, or or you you know you bring in a guy and he overachieves. You know, when when Florida brought in uh, Verhage, for example, you know they they weren't figuring he's going to be a forty goal guy in a couple of years. You know that uh, that uh, there, there's an element of luck in that. I mean, you you could be perceptive in bringing in a guy who's going to click on your team and be effective, but no, nobody expects that. Just like with the, so like when you know, I mentioned Leclerc earlier, when the, the Flyers brought him in, they didn't know he was going to be a 50 goal scorer. How, how would they know that? He'd been a 20 goal guy maximum before that. So, you know, some, sometimes you just need things to click for you. And then, then you reevaluate at the end of the year. Hey, how far did we come? What do we have to do? You know, who stepped forward, all, all those kind of things. And then ultimately the team will make you look good or not so good. So, yeah, I absolutely, Danny, hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah, I think the interesting thing, Danny was a player that needed a change of scenery in his career. Um, yeah. We've seen, you know, Owen Tippett was the guy that needed opportunity and a change of scenery in his career. And I was listening to Danny on Jeff Merrick's show, kind of said, you know, we're going to be looking for guys like that, that, you know, we see the transferable skills, identifying talent, that can be a big part of it to to build your core. I mean, ultimately, you got to find some high-end skill here as well, but uh, I think that's a big element to it. Bill, I, I think there's going to be, you know, different phases of this, obviously. But ultimately, you know, will this front office structure with John Tortorella as the head coach and Danny Breer as the GM and Keith Jones as the president of hockey operations, what will the personality of it be? You, you know, Paul Holmgren was a guy that would swing for the fences. Now, Mr. Snyder was still alive at that time, and Mr. Snyder always wanted to swing for the fences, too. But do, do you think... Do you have a handle on if Danny's going to be an aggressive risk-taking GM? Because sometimes you got to obviously incur risk for uh, to to get you know a great reward, but it is risk. Or yeah. do you think he'd be a more safer, you know, kind of analytically driven GM? Uh, I I think Danny's going to uh, I must say over cautiously, but I think I think Danny will move slowly at first. I I think that the I think the plan in place to Subtract before you add, I and mean, and Torts has banged that drum. I don't know how many times. You know, I think they're all they they're all on the same page with that. Or you don't even take step one here. Yeah. So I I think I think Danny is going to try to stockpile assets where he can, and, and maybe where possible, you bring in one of those young players with some upsides, a little bit of a project. Because you know the every organization has them, and guys who might require waivers next season and. They're not sure about still or heck like Danny himself at one point cleared waivers last year yeah. and ended up back in the minors. That happened. That happened in his third or fourth season. 
Um, so I, I think he's going to keep an eye out for for those kind of players, but I don't see him. I don't see him swinging for the fences. The you know the the big trades. Certainly no. Certainly no rentals anytime soon. Yeah. So I I think I think the time may come when there will be time for that big bold ambitious trade where a guy who nobody saw moving moves and you bring back you know pieces on the other side maybe a, a big piece. But I, I, I don't get the sense that they feel it's that time right now. Yeah, I, I know that, you know, and seen on social media and listening around a little bit, some people are, you know, of the mindset that you've got this new front office, look for a big move to kind of welcome them. I don't think that's in the cards this summer. I just don't. You know, some people say, well, you move up in the draft to the top three. Well, it takes two to tango. You know, yeah. I don't know that Yarmo Kekalainen, wants to do something to move out of the top three in this draft in particular. So I, I just want to caution people that if they don't move up in the draft, that's not because of any ineptitude of Danny Briere in the front office. Yeah. You know, you got to ask yourself if you're in the top three and you were the GM, would you want to trade out? <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can't no, just put out the recycle bin and get what you want. It takes for two. sure. I mean, this, this is a year where, there's a lot of quality in this draft. Um, you know, obviously you have the, the biggest names near the top, but drafting third, you're probably looking at, at either Leo Carlson or maybe Will Smith. Um, I, I look at, I look at Carlson. Um, I, I think he's the number one center and a pretty good one. So do you, do you trade out of there to, you know, the, the step down from there are guys who you're not as certain are, are going to be, major impact players, but probably are going to be pretty good. And they have a chance to be impact guys. I mean, you're once you get out of that top four or, or even, even five, you, you include Michkov, but that's a, that's a different type of a risk. You know, it's uh, there's, there's a lot of quality guys with a lot of upside, but maybe not as much of a sure thing uh, as on the offensive side in some cases. So, um, you know, I, I think you rarely see teams move, very much out of the top three or four anymore. You, you hear rumors right up, right up to draft time, and they don't. Have, it doesn't come down very often. I, I, I'd say the odds are against it happening, um, but but who knows, right? If you put together the right package, maybe, you know, maybe maybe you could. Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see the Flyers move Florida's number one <laughs> next year. Um, so I mean that that would get it done probably. That's two number ones plus. Uh, a roster player and a young player, and then all of a sudden, you, ha you have a conversation at least. But I, I think when all is said and done, Flyers stay at seven, and uh, moving up would be tough. Yeah, it's a lot of risk for the GM that's moving down because you go, the team that you traded with moved up and they got this great player. You yeah. moved down and you missed. It, it's a it could be a ticket to the unemployment line, is what it could be. But okay, sometimes sure. the GM got to got to risk that, you know. You got to you get to a certain point, but teams in the top three or four in this draft aren't teams that are in win now mode for the most part either, because I mean they got a lot of work to do, like the Flyers. So um, that's that's part of the equation as well. Um, Bill, you know the vibe and you know the whole notion of the the business side and the hockey ops and everything, the coach, everything kind of being well communicated. And uh, the word they used quite often is collaboratively um, is a big element. But, you know, sometimes somebody needs to step up and make a decision and, and say, you know what, we've collaboratively talked about this, but I have to make the decision. 
And when it comes to hockey, that will be Danny Briere. That much was clear. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. And um, obviously it's, it's a huge responsibility. Heavy's the head that wears the crown, right? He's the, he's the ultimate decision maker on it. And, and, and he'd be, he'll be the first guy judged on, uh, on how moves work out. Um, you know, is, is, is he ready for that responsibility? You know, I, I did an article today on uh, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com where it was like, it was, it was uh, Danny Briere from late blooming player to fast rising executive. You know, Danny's actually um, accumulated a pretty fair amount of experience in a pretty short time. Yeah. Um, he, he's worked on the development side. Um, you know, he, he went, went to college and, and took classes at Wharton. Um, and I kind of likened it to when, um, when Danny was, Danny was a player and he knew he had to get stronger physically and he knew he was never, you know, going to be the strongest guy on the ice. But when he knew he had to get stronger physically, I mean, he went out and he hired a, I know, a guy from his hometown, but it was a guy who used to compete in those world's strongest man competitions. You used to see in ESPN. I mean, that, yeah. that was some, some heavy duty training. You Magnus know? And, Magnuson. Yeah. <laughs> Magnuson, Magnuson. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, this is, this is a guy from Gatineau, but I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, a, a guy who gets drafted 18 and Hey, you know what? He, he goes, goes to class of warden and felt like he belonged, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you know, so the, the whole point is that Danny always aims large and, uh, he'll, he'll do whatever he, you know, <laughs> whatever further education experience he thinks he needs to get. Uh, he's already worked with hockey Canada now, you know, it was, the Spengler cup, but it's still an international tournament. And, uh, you know, he's the assistant general manager there and, you know, his ECHL experience, the, uh, said working in the developmental side. I mean, for, for a relatively short period retired, he, he, uh, stacked up a lot of experience, you know, as much as he possibly could. Um, you know, and, and then there are people who sometimes step right from playing into, into being a GM or, or high level executive. And some of those people have done quite well. Steve Eiserman being an example. And right from playing to being a director of player personnel and then, then a GM. So I, I think Danny has the smarts. He certainly has the competitiveness. And I think when the time comes, have the decisiveness too. Because you can you can um uh you, you can over you know you can overanalyze something to death and then you end up doing nothing. Yeah. Right. So Yeah, that that's interesting. I love the fact that you added the decisiveness because you get to a point where you gotta go, okay. I've looked at this from every angle. I have to make the the right decision, and you got to be decisive and committed to it. You know, the other he actually coached a game as well with Ian Laperriere during COVID because his assistants had COVID, and Danny never strived to be a coach, uh, but he did jump on the bench uh, in an AHL game as well. So, just another element, and I think working in player development is another element that's really good for him to be able to you know have that patience as a general manager with players knowing that the arc of uh, development is different uh, with all of them. Well, Bill, it, it certainly was uh, a grandiose affair on Friday. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are very excited. There's some, some skeptics out there, and I don't know if this is going to work. I don't. Yeah. Um, I know Keith Jones well. I've known him for over 20 years, working radio with him, and I know how smart of a guy he is. Is he going to be a good president? I think so. But really, the only thing that's going to matter here is the proof and the results and that's going to take some time but uh, it certainly feels like the dawn of a new day around here no absolutely i, I could not could not agree more the the potential is there but you know potential has to be 
has to have results to back it up and there's no track record. So you can't, you know, you can't truthfully predict anything, but uh, you know, but I, the step one, step one, the opening press conference and the people involved, you know, that, that's that much is promising. Yeah, no question about it. Rebuild stuff and the story today on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com on Danny Briere from Late Bloomer to Fast Riser. Also, uh, check out his work on NHL.com and HockeyBus.com as well. That puts a wrap on Flyers Daily for Monday. We'll be back Wednesday with another brand new edition. Everybody, enjoy your Monday. We'll talk to you next time on Flyers Daily. No more.